Welcome to another episode of the On The Clock NFL Draft Podcast. I'm Shannon, here with Damian and Eugene. How are you guys doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Oh, Feeling good. good man. We got a little bit of uh, good news about the NFL. You want to share what the NFL said today about training camp, Damian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, I think it was Adam Schefter that reported it, which I, I'm not too surprised by it, to be completely honest. Um, I'm actually mm-hmm. really – I mean, it makes sense. It, it completely makes sense that they want to take this route. But um, so the NFL – Adam Schefter reported earlier, probably about an hour ago, that the NFL has told all NFL teams that they will they must stay at their team's uh, practice facilities this summer for training camp. So, like, for example, with the Carolina Panthers now being local, Panthers will come to Walford University here in Spartanburg, um, which is probably about, like, 20 minutes from where, from I, where I am right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are, they, they are not going to be allowed to come here this uh, come to here this year, which, like I said, makes sense They want what they wanted to do because um, Adam Schiff then came back and reported about, about 10 minutes ago. Uh, pretty much, he said, "Here's why all the NFL teams, all the, all the teams will be home for training camp. The NFL, NFLPA wanted to limit the need for travel and also mm-hmm. limit the risk of maintaining two facilities. They wanted mm-hmm. to focus all mm-hmm. on one um, and everything like that. So, like we know, like you know, when you're watching the NFL training camp um, series on NFL Network every every year, you always hear mm-hmm. about the Dallas Cowboys going to Oxford, California." No, nope, right. they'll be in Dallas this year. So, right. it, like I said, it just makes sense. Um, you know, limit exposure. You, they want to, like I said, he, like he said, they want to focus on one facility. Think about it. If you, if they're in, if every team is in multiple facilities, they have to disinfect and clean both, at All right. both, both. facilities. Yeah. Focus yeah. on one. Test everybody that's coming in. Things of that nature, and just you know, keep it simple. Don't make it more complicated. So I'm, I'm good with it. All, everything right now is pointing to football in the fall. And mm-hmm. in such a tumultuous time that we're in right now, like man, mm-hmm. like it, it will we be need a much needed destruction. Yeah, yeah, we will be. It will be great to have some football once we yes. get through this this fiery time. We once the dust settles and the smoke is cleared, and we kind of mm-hmm. get better as a nation and as a people. Hopefully, right. um, you know, having football in the fall will be huge. Basketball yeah. too, but. So that was um, when you posted that earlier, I had mentioned um, that the Ravens have been doing that since 2011, um, because when we had the lockout year, you know, they just decided. Usually we would um, practice in West Minnesota and it was open to the public. Mm -hmm. So from 2011 until now, we've been at the facilities, which is in Owens Mills, Maryland, which is like Baltimore County, not that far from, you know, Baltimore City. Um, So the Ravens won't really have to adjust as far as the players, because this is what they've been doing. For almost what is that? What that make nine years almost? Mm-hmm. So it'll be cool. I'm just glad that we know we're getting it back. It's yeah. one way or another. We're gonna have we're gonna have basketball, football. Hopefully, baseball. For who wants to see it? Hockey. Who wants to see it? Right. Just kind and, of give us and and, and we won't. It won't. We won't. We won't be able to forget what's happening. But it will yeah. be a much needed distraction for those couple of hours that game is on. We can yeah. do that. Yeah, we, we won't be that. overloaded with stuff happening right. ones after another. We'll be able to check out for a time and get yeah. ourselves together. That, and, and yeah. it, it, one thing, you know, coming from the behavioral health field, um, I always, I was telling um, my wife and different people, this was before the riots and everything, before, you know, George Floyd, with Corona, with the amount mm-hmm. of lives that were lost and different things like Ooh. that. People that couldn't, you know, mothers that couldn't go see their sons and mm-hmm. wives that couldn't see their husbands, vice versa, you right. know, because they're in the hospital intubated and they're dying, but they yeah. won't let you come. There's people mentally 
when like they haven't had time to pr- fully process, process we went from, everything. We went from right. Corona to George Floyd so that, into right. protests right. and riots. Once this is over, there are going to be a lot of people. Once mm-hmm. they get the chance to kind of <sighs> take that uh, deep breath, take a like, breath, right? Man, I can't. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's going to hurt. It's gonna, it's gonna, that, yeah. that, that hurt's going to come back because it, it, it's it's going to create a lot of PTSD for people. When people hear yeah. people that lost so many lives, when they hear coronavirus ten years from now, I'm like, I lost my husband to coronavirus. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm right. saying? So that mental, we we always call it mental uh, in the mental health world. We call it the um, a mental health day whenever we took a day off for work, stuff like that. That having the sports back, people don't understand that that gives you a break from everything else that's going on. People mm-hmm. have issues with all type of things, whether it's bills, personal life, family. Whatever, but you get three mm-hmm. to four hours watching your favorite team play, whether they win or lose, like yeah. you just get to to escape, and that's the yeah. biggest part of it. And yeah. that's what I think sports has always been for everybody. And and I know I'm usually a, a pretty level headed person. I had to unplug on Saturday, you know. I had to call my brother and say, "Come, I needed my I needed my brother to be in my space because of everything that was going on," you know. So. It's become an overwhelming for all of us. So when we can get sports back, I think everybody will be in a much better. Like you said, we can all just breathe, even if yeah. it's for the three hours yeah. that it's on. We can be in a different headspace, and whoo, you know. Yeah, and it gives you a chance to talk about something different instead yeah. of, you know, everything talking about everything that's going on. Because like a lot of the times you're talking now, you're probably debating with somebody or you're arguing with somebody. Yeah. You're telling them yeah. how something, how wrong something is. Getting away and, from the bigger picture, right? Yeah, get away from the bigger picture, and it just it, it recharges the batteries. It gives yeah. you your mind a rest. Right. Yeah. Um. So, on this episode today, we're gonna have the guys list their top five running backs um, in the league NFL. Um, Eugene said something really interesting um, during pre-show, so I want you both to, and I didn't tell you this, but okay. I want you both to before you, because we're going to start from one, um, from five to one. So before you say your fifth person, I want you both to give your criteria for your running backs. Then that way the listeners can understand, you know, why you're picking who you're picking, and then we can just go from there. And okay. why? And why somebody will not be in this top five? <laughs> so, so what I'm gonna—I think I want to start with Dane. I mean, I want to start with Eugene first with this because he was the one that said he has a criteria, so he probably already knows what he wants to say. So, Eugene, what's your criteria um, the, for a running back, and then who's your number five running back? Um, yeah, my like my criteria for the running back position is like you can't be one-dimensional, like. Mm-hmm. For running backs in today's NFL, you have to be a threat as a receiver and as a runner. If you're just a receiver and that's what you're best at, that's fine. But I can't put you in my upper echelon of 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 running backs. Is it really is a dual threat position? And you're you and because if you're only good at one thing it's easier for a defense to nullify you because if you're simply a good runner, if your offensive line is struggling, you're taken out of that game completely. The offense can't use you anywhere else. If you're just a good receiver and you're not having, you're not getting targeted, the quarterback's not looking for you. You're basically just a a, a tackling dummy out there. So I need, I need for my running backs to be a dual threat at both on, on, in both aspects of the game. And that's how I made my top five. Mm-hmm. So, four, uh, I am going. I kind of switched it up on the fly, but it's hard. It's really hard mm-hmm. because it's a lot of it's a lot of uh, 
it's a lot of really good guys. But um, number five, uh, my fifth fifth best fifth best uh, running back, I got Dalvin Cook. Okay, he's um a thousand yard rusher, and he's a he's a he's a weapon in the receiving game. He was targeted look at this sixty three times in the passing game, five hundred yards receiving, five hundred yards receiving, eleven hundred yards rushing. That means like even just the sixty three targets, he caught fifty three of those sixty three targets, mm. but just sixty three times you you had him shifted out on a linebacker or something like that. You drew a defense out. You 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 expanded the defense horizontally. So now they have to pay attention to him. So now the next defensive coordinator that plays the Vikings, okay, I gotta look for Dalvin Cook in the passing game now too, as well as watching him run down the middle. Mm-hmm. So it, it makes life harder for defensive coordinators, makes life easier for offensive coordinators. So that's why so number five I got Dalvin Cook. Okay. Um num- number four I, um, it was really hard. Uh, Nick Chubb. Mm. I mean, you kind of have to put Nick Chubb in here because I mean, his prowess as a runner. But he's also you can also get him out on the swing passes and the screen passes. He was pulling up his numbers as a receiver. His numbers are a little bit more modest than Dalvin's is, but he was targeted. 49 times in the passing game. Oh. And caught 36 of them for 278 yards passing. That number's going to go up mm-hmm. because, well, I mean, he's this is only year two for him. Yeah. And, and now he's he's understanding what defenses are trying to do. And they already know, defenses already know uh, Nick Chubb can't run. So they're going to have to get him out into the passing game. And he's displayed the ability to do that. So, I mean, that's why... I mean, I tell you right now, spoiler alert, I can't put uh what's his name? Derrick Henry in my top five because he's not a threat as a receiver. He's a tremendous running back. I mean a, a tremendous running back. But he's he if you're if his offensive line is struggling, then he's taken totally out of the game. Mm-hmm. So that's why I can't put Derrick Henry in my top five. But those are my two and that's my criteria. That's what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. So Damien, what's your criteria for running back? And then we can do four and five. Um, well, five for, and four. For me, like, you know, one thing I look at for with running backs is it's a, it's a combination of different things. I, first, I like to I, I always look at the skill set. As um, Eugene alluded to, in today's NFL, you need guys that can catch the football in some fashion, right? You know, whether it's screens, quick dump-offs, Things mm-hmm. of that nature. You need guys, like you said, when Nick Chubb targeted 49 times, someone that, that a team and a quarterback is comfortable putting the ball in his hands uh, in the open field, um, that is, is a big part of uh, what I look at for running backs. Of course, I I, I, I like to look at, um, uh, what's the, I, had, I had the term, uh, not how, how I grade them pretty much, but... Um, Kind of degree of difficulty for so you know mm. when I when I look mm. at when I look at players man I always look at you know surround the supporting cast and you know how how pivotal is their success to the team's success things like that so I'm I'm looking for that um, you know are they are they in the offense where for example I'll use Le'Veon Bell when he was with the Steelers Le'Veon Bell wasn't a guy that saw a lot of stacked, you know, eight, nine, ten man fronts and anything like that because you had to double 
uh, Antonio mm-hmm. Brown. Mm-hmm. Then you have Martavis Bryant at the time who could take the top off. Then you switch out Martavis Bryant. You have Juju who was still, um, you know, early, his first two years were putting up uh, tremendous numbers. So Le'Veon Bell wasn't the guy that, okay, we're going to stop him. Like, no, mm-hmm. we can't try to stop him because of his weapons. So I, was, I always factor that part in. Um, do does the running back open up the receivers? Do the receivers open up the running back? Um, so I look at that as well. Um, like I said, just natural skill set. You know, catching the football, speed, vision. Um, you know, change of direction, uh, different things, patience, things like that. So I, I look at all of that when I'm looking at uh and paying attention to uh, running back. So all of that factors in for me. And mm-hmm. so my my five is my fifth uh, running back on the list is actually Dalvin Cook. <laughs> for the same reason <laughs> that Eugene alluded to, uh, Dalvin mm-hmm. Cook to me, he, he could what he did last year. He could have done more if he wasn't hurt early mm-hmm. on. Uh, he you know battling those injuries and everything. Dalvin Cook was coming into into his draft class was one of the more talented rushers. Um, oh, yeah. in, in in that draft class, he had he had everything: the speed, the change of direction, the vision, the power. He had all of that. He just needed to stay healthy. And when we finally got him healthy, we saw what he could do. You know what I'm saying? And not only just in the in the ground game, but like you said, in the passing game, catching those screens, those those um those delayed dump offs and making mm-hmm. things happen. I, I I one thing I like I said, when I talk about skill set, I like guys that can make guys miss. And I'm not just mm-hmm. talking about okay, I'm going to, you know, freight train you and run you over. No, in in open field. Sometimes you got to make a guy miss so you can get yeah. to the end zone because running someone over will slow you down, actually, to be completely honest with you. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. truck, trucking somebody while it's cool on Madden, uh, that pursuit that's coming behind you is actually mm-hmm. going to ca- can catch you, mm-hmm. if, if you if you take too, many, too much time to run mm-hmm. someone over. So I like to see guys get a little freaky, get a little busy in, in, in the open field. Uh, so Dalvin Cook offers that. Uh, my number four... It's a guy that, I, to me, listen, this is a selfish pleasure of mine. Joe Mixon. Hmm. Joe Mixon is one of the mm-hmm. more talented backs in the league. P- listen, I'm telling you right now, people really don't I, – I, I really don't believe Joe Mixon gets the just due that he deserves. Because of Cincinnati. Because he's mm-hmm. in Cincinnati. And, mm-hmm. you know, even the year – even with uh, – because he has one of the lesser – um, offensive line, talented offensive lines last year. But when you look at his first two, his first two seasons, right? Um, less than 300 carries both both years, right? Bad, bad teams, you know, it is what it is. But he's cracked over 1,100 yards both times, and he's only averaged 17 carries per game once, and that was last year. So he's mm. under the 18, 19 that some of these other guys are averaging. But the the problem for uh, the and even last year it, it was an uptick. He he saw fifty five targets. He caught forty three. But they it's all about the usage. Zach Taylor did not use him correctly, and that was really mm-hmm. frustrating for me in the passing game. Because what we see with Alvin Kamara and and Christian McCaffrey and even Saquon Barkley at times, you can motion them out and get them matched up on some of these linebackers and create that mismatch. You could do that with Joe Mixon, that, but Zach mm-hmm. Taylor didn't do that. I, I, it's cool throwing him screens, but let's get him out in open space. Let's force these linebackers to say, "Hey, you're going to have to cover him in man coverage, like a corner covers a receiver." And mm-hmm. when you can't do exactly. that, I'm going. That's where I'm going. I, I, you know what I'm saying? You think back to to what a lot of offensive coordinators do pre-snap. Let's see what kind of coverage they're in. We're going to motion 
that tight end or that running back out. Let's see if they're in man or zone. If someone travels, that shows me man. And if I motion out Joe Mixon and I get some of these linebackers in the NFL on him, I'm not saying the Isaiah Simmons of the world because there are not many Isaiah Simmons of the world. But but if I can get some of these linebackers on him, I'm going to look at that matchup. That's going to be – I'm telling my quarterback, that's your first read. That is your first read. That he's going to win. He should win that quickly. And if he does, put the ball in, in, into his chest, put it between the numbers, and give him the time to make things happen. So for me, I'm going Joe Mixon at four with Dalvin Cook at five. So this is my question because you, you both have Dalvin Cook at five, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So I was reading earlier that um, he's never really been healthy for more than 11 games in a season. And last year he was able to play 14 games. And they were saying that he had the luxury of having um, one of the league's best backups in Alexander Madison. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were saying they were a good one-two punch. Yeah. So my question to both of you is, um, does that does that not play a factor in your opinion about him as a running back? The fact that um, his best year, per se, came from having that one-two punch. It's not like he's carrying a little by himself because he has help. So does that come into play with your opinion? Not a ton. Um, because with when with Dalvin, you can clearly see he's the primary. Yeah. Um, it's not that it's not that. I mean, Dalvin could have did what he did, whether Alex Madison was on the roster or not. They could they just would have gave it to another uh, backup sure. running back. He still would have produced. Um, he he. I mean, yeah, he's not the biggest uh, running back in the in the world, and he's had and he definitely has had injury concerns, but. Um, I, I lean to the side of what I've seen this past year, more so to what I've seen his rookie year and the year after that. I think like I think he's developed his body, he's developed as a player to where he's going to be able to stay healthy for at least 14 games a year. And I think he's going to put up similar numbers. I don't think he's one of those uh, players that needs to be carried by like a power back or something like that in order to be successful. What about yeah. you, Damien? I for one, I'm a, I'm an Alexander Madison fan. So when he came into when he came into the draft, I was like, he, he was going to be that mid round, late round guy um, that I felt like could have earned a starting job on a numerous of teams. Um, mm-hmm. So he's just he's just that talented. He's a talented runner. Like they are a perfect mix, perfect for each other. Yeah, mm-hmm. for each other because they they have similar running styles and they run that um, that Kubiak stretch wide zone run scheme. So it's like they both kind of fit that that system very well, actually. Uh, one cut downhill physical runners once they get going upfield, uh, explosive off the cut, and I think Madison may add a little more power because I think he's a little he's, he adds a little more um, a little more girth to his frame um, than Dalvin Cook. But I think like like Eugene said, I think Dalvin Cook would have because like I said, he's a natural runner. He would have had. I think you take Alexander Madison out of the picture. And you give him 30, 40 more carries, you know, he mm-hmm. most likely has another 200 yards or so. So he would have, yeah. I think he would have had the same success, um, even with Madison in somewhere else. And they had a different running back back there uh, mm-hmm. as his backup. I think he's just that talented. Um, I remember arguing with people, you know, I was like, listen, when he's healthy, we're going to see how good this kid really is. And he, mm-hmm. he was, he was legitimately. A one of those do it all three down running backs. And I know before the show we were saying that the top three would probably be the same, 
but I am interested in knowing the order that you guys put who I think you're going to put in the top three. Yeah. Um, so, Damien, Damien, why don't you start with your three, three, one? Who do you have at three? And then two, one. So, at number three, I have Ezekiel Elliott. Mm. I have Ezekiel Elliott at number three. I love Zeke, man. Um, I, and I'm, I wasn't the biggest fan of him coming in. I just felt, I felt like I was like, man, I don't know. There was a lot of hype. I remember that fantasy year. I was like, I was posting. I was like, what is everybody talking about? Ezekiel Elliott going number one overall in fantasy drafts. I'm like, he's a rookie. We go, we have to see what he actually can do for it. And he proved me wrong. I mean, shout out to Z. He, he's, he's made me a fan. One of the more natural runners as well. Um, physical. Just, he brings, he's one of those, yeah, power. Just, like, what's, the, what, what's the old saying, Eugene, that uh, lunch pail hard hat? Like, mm-hmm. when you, you, you know you're clocking in for work when you're facing Ezekiel Elliott. You're going to do a whole eight-hour shift. Yeah, that's all 12 hours, to be honest. Yeah. Like, you know that you have to bring your best going up against him because mm-hmm. he's he's one of those running backs that has the 4-4 speed that can beat you deep, but he also has the physicality to pound you into submission to where yeah. it's the fourth quarter and he's still going strong. You're like... I'm tired of hitting this dude. Like, I'm really sick of it. Like, can mm. we can we can either rotate, we need to start doing something a little different. Nice. You know what I mean? So, with Zeke, you know, he has the vision, he has the power, he has the speed. Um, he, he has solid hands, you know what I mean? He He's one of those guys that's more so functional in the passing game, you know? You, mm. you know, similar to Nick Chubb and those guys, they aren't weapons. Like, the, like my first two guys. They're, mm. You know, Zeke isn't a weapon in the passing game to where you truly motion him out and let him run routes and different things like that. You he he's the guy that you you have him underneath, you dump the ball off to him and you know that he can make things happen after sense. the catch because he how, how explosive he is, how powerful he is and you know his crazy stiff arm, he sidestep, you know he can make guys miss a little bit. He, you know he's not the most um elusive running back, you know when it comes down to his footwork and beating killing guys at open field. He's a tone setter and he has no problem letting you feel every bit of his body when he's when yeah. he's uh, making contact with you. So for me, Ezekiel Elliott, one of the more natural runners in the league, and he's just like I said, he's just a functional receiver. He's not a weapon in the receiving game. He can have the fifty-five catches for three, four hundred yards, but the impact is going to be a little different compared to my guys at number one and number two. Uh-huh. And you want to do your two and third? I'm sorry, oh. second and first. Sure, I'll do my second and first right now. So, my second and first is, well, number two, Saquon Barkley. I know he had a down, a little bit of a down year, but when I, like I said, I, I look at talent at all times because for me, context, context is everything. So, I, when you say, oh, this player had a down year, I'm like, well, they had a bottom five offensive line. Like, what exactly do you expect? And then he mm-hmm. still, if I'm not mistaken, you go back to his numbers. Uh, still ran for a thousand yards. Yeah, he still ran for a thousand yards. So, um, you know, it, it, he only had two hundred seventeen carries. Uh, he had thousand three yards, four point six yards per carry, six touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I and I, the thing about this, it it's coming off in the a like historic tremendous rookie year. Uh, you know, not historic, but a tremendous rookie year that he had. Um, mm-hmm. You know, thirteen hundred yards, eleven touchdowns. Um, you know, and he. Well, I mean, you look at it. He had. He was a two thousand. 2,000-yard guy. From scrimmage. From yeah. scrimmage, you know what I'm saying? He had 721 yards yeah. receiving. He had 121 targets with 95 yeah. receptions in his first year. 
He was that offense. Last year was legit. He was that offense. Last year he dealt, he he was he was hurt a little bit. He played yeah. only played thirteen games. Like I'm telling you right, he only saw seventy three targets. As the fact that they improved that offensive line, Danny Dimes has another year under his belt. I think Ezekiel Elliott, I mean not Ezekiel Elliott, but uh, Saquon Barkley mm-hmm. proves that he's a best back in that division and and truly puts himself above Ezekiel Elliott. But I think he can have a similar season to what we saw from Christian McCaffrey. Because at the end of the day, Ezekiel Elliott, to me, off of just pure talent, is the most talented back in the oh, NFL. Yeah. Speed, mm-hmm. power, like his natural abilities. He's a freak of nature. So mm-hmm. once we get once we get him healthy going into this year, um, and, and mind you, I think a lot of people were down on Ezekiel Elliott, um, which they shouldn't have been, but people were. Remember... Zeke Elliott got a lot of touches under Jason Garrett. Jason oh. Garrett is a, isn't he the offensive coordinator in New York? New York, yeah. I expect Saquon Barkley to get a lot of touches. They're gonna use him a lot. He probably, he, like learned, said, from, he probably learned from last year. Yeah, you know they should have stuck with the run more in Dallas. Exactly. I mean, and, and don't get me wrong, Zeke Elliott had three hundred and one carries, but it's all about how, like, the proportion and the and the Hot tempo point. to the offense and different things like yeah. that. How did you know the distribution of those carries throughout the season? I think Saquon Barkley in this offense, he is pretty much the heartbeat. And mm-hmm. as long as he's healthy for all 16, I think we could possibly see back to back years of a thousand and a thousand. He is mm-hmm. that good. This kid is freaky, man. So for me, yep. he is my number two. Because, like I said, in, in the passing game, he's not functional, he's an actual weapon. He is a legit mm-hmm. weapon in the receiving mm-hmm. game. Um, and, of course, we all know, number one, run CMC. Christian McCaffrey, mm-hmm. man. Um, we all know. <laughs> this kid. It's not, you, you don't got to say that much. You don't, you don't got to say too much. You know what I'm saying? Third in, the league, third in the league in rushing. You know, we, we, we always talk about, you know, uh, what Lamar Jackson is able to do as a quarterback, right? 3,000 mm-hmm. or so yards passing and um, – as well as having a thousand yards rushing, and that's great, right? But when you mm-hmm. look at what, what what we saw from Christian McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey had a thousand yards receiving. Yeah. So it's like to sit there and, and, and look at a running back, and, and, and I'm I'm actually looking at the receiving list real quick just to see where he landed. You know, just to see where he landed. Um, he was twenty. He, you know, as a running back, he was twenty eighth uh, in the league in receiving, right under DJ Tark. Odell Beckham, Tyler Boyd, AJ mm-hmm. Brown, like he's in he's in conversations with receivers. So it's just yeah. like, and we saw like as I alluded to earlier, who benefited from who? Was he benefiting from the offense, or were they benefiting from him? They were benefiting from him. DJ Moore, him. Kurt, uh, Curtis Samuel, um, you know, and, and, and oh god, Kyle Allen. Um, mm-hmm. Those guys were benefiting from the type of of type of coverage that that Chris McCaffrey was pretty much commanding. Yeah. Like you put him out and, and, and you can go back to the film last year uh, in 2018 when Cam Newton was healthy. There were times where they were motioning him in the slot where Cam Newton could throw the ball over the top of him because when he ran that inside curl, two defenders jumped him, gave him that deep over route wide open. It was one-on-one coverage. And so you don't see that. You see that with receivers doing it. You see Julio Jones and, Od- and, and, and Odell Beckham and those guys open up other receivers. You got a running back opening receivers while he's running routes. That's incredible. So for me, 
thousand and a thousand, thirteen hundred and a thousand yards received. Like I can't say I don't need to say anymore, man. Christian no. And he made, and he made a believer out of me because I did not, I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't happy with the pick because I wanted them to go offensive line with Carolina to protect Cam Newton, something that they didn't mm-hmm. really invest in too much, um, mm-hmm. which is why he was so beat up. But you know, the pick. I mean, Chris McCaffrey proved me wrong. I can't say nothing. Mm-hmm. So, who's your top three? Um, top three, yeah, pretty much same as Damien's. Uh, Zeke is the third. I mean, and that's no slight against Zeke. He he does everything well. I mean, yeah. he just does everything well. You want even I pulled up uh, when I was I was looking at him, and uh, when he came out in the draft, I just I just watched him block. I didn't even watch him run. I didn't even watch him catch passes. Nothing like that. I watched him block, and it. I mean. If if you if you like Smash Mouth football, watch Zeke blocking. He he lays some dudes out, and he just you know he does everything well. He's I mean he's a he's an excellent power runner. He's got speed. You can use him in the passing game. I mean, I mean, we watching a Hall of Famer play. He he's going to the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Um, next to uh, Saquon and uh, C Mac, they're just special. I mean yeah. Zeke Zeke. Is great as a very, I mean, he's, I mean, Zeke is special in his own way, but Saquon and Christian McCaffrey, they are special athletes. The like, the uh, how dynamic they are mm-hmm. is just on a different level. Um, first with, with Saquon, I mean, he's he's a creative player, man. He's he's just a six over six foot, 230 pound guy that runs a four three, got legs like tree trunks and can run over people. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a modern day Bo Jackson, right? That's oh, what that's, that's what he great. is. I love yeah. that. I love that, bro. I love he that. um and 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 to top that all, I mean, that's great for a running back. To top it all off, you can split him out. You can legit split him out wide, mm-hmm. and you have to respect that man like he is a wide receiver because he can run routes on you, and he and he got the hands to do it. It's so you can do whatever you want to on offense with, with Saquon and the defense has to respect that. They have if they want to put Saquon out wide, if they want to put Saquon at quarterback, they gotta respect whatever they do and treat it like it's a legitimate threat. That's the type of player that he is. I would have loved Same to see thing. Saquon in uh in, in the uh, Wildcat. I would have loved to see Saquon Oh my God. Mm. I think that's a that's that probably would actually work for when a few it fir- games when it, when it first happened in Miami yeah. I would have loved to see Saquon in, in the Wildcat. Oh, Saquon would have put up ridiculous I numbers. Oh man! Same thing for uh, Christian McCaffrey. He yeah. is—I mean, he—he he, he runs better routes than some of these wide receivers. Mm-hmm. He is—I mean—he putting up Marshall Falk numbers: a thousand yards rushing, a thousand yards receiving. You gotta—you not—you know how hard that is, because after a while, defenses are paying paying attention to you and only you. Right. I mean, you're you're the game plan on offense, and he still put up numbers. Um, yeah, and and he made a believer out of me uh, myself because uh, back in the draft, I thought he was Reggie Bush coming out. I didn't think that he would put on the uh, the muscle and the weight to to ha- to take on the number of carries that he's taking on. I didn't think he would be big enough. Didn't think he would be strong enough. I thought I thought he would uh, pretty much be the type of running back that um, Alvin Kamara is. I thought he would be that type of guy. But he's that and more, and he's just gonna—he's just gonna pretty much do the same thing over and over again. He's gonna have close to a thousand yards receiving every year. He's gonna have close to a thousand yards rushing every year. He is the epitome of a dual threat running back. 
I mean, if you start an offense, you start you. Uh, Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey are what you want out of your running back position. Like both of them, just like just two special players. Mm-hmm. So you know, you both are gonna have to explain some things, right? Yeah. yeah. Some, some, fan, some fans are going to know. Like, why did you guys decide to leave, you know, Alvin Kamara off your list or Derek Henry off your list? So, Damian, why why did those two guys not make your top five? Um, I love Derek Henry, man. Um, he is one-dimensional. Uh, he really is one-dimensional. He is a dominant, like, we know he is a legit dominant rusher. Oh, um, I, oh we, I know. <laughs> we know this, right? <laughs> so we know how dominant of a running back he is just on the ground. But as uh, Eugene alluded to when we first started the segment, what happens when – because for me, I always look at um, creativity and uh, can you elude and create on your own. And so when so what happens when teams and defenses – Truly crowd the box so much so that the offense is over, the offensive line is overwhelmed, and guys are shooting through the gaps free. Can you make guys miss in the backfield? He's he's not elusive. He he's he's nimble for a big guy, right? So like when you look at uh, Mike Mayock, you so always call offensive line and they're dancing bears. He's nimble mm-hmm. for a big guy. We saw that in the playoffs where he you know he had some runs where he was able to cut back. And hit the hit the hole on the opposite side of the line, yeah. and just catch it. You know, hit second gear quickly, right? But that's not that's not what I'm. That's not going to happen every time. Like I said, there there are times where guys get in the backfield, and yeah, you can stiff arm them, but can you truly create on your own? There's nothing there. Can you still get me four, three to four yards? And yeah, you can because he's because his size, he could just kind of lean on the offensive lineman and try to drive the pile, yeah. but. At times, you're going to be able to have to bounce it out and get on, get on the edge and, you know, make a guy miss and get those positive yards. So, And then, like I said, in the passing game, yeah, a, 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 a throwback screen will work here and there, right? Throwback screens will work. But, again, he's not – he, to me, is a receiver. He's not even functional. He's, mm-hmm. he's you know, he, he's he's okay. Like, you, like I said, you can throw him a couple screens and that works, but – I want somebody that I can legit have him delayed route, come out, you know, mm-hmm. run the angle route, the Texas route, drop him off into the flats, and that dump off, and he makes something happen every time. Like that's not his game. It's not. He is mm-hmm. a he is a he is a plotter. Like he legit. To be completely honest, he is kind of you know the Earl Campbell of this generation. Just yeah, that Campbell, big, George, physical, fast, aggressive. Mm-hmm. Just dominating running back that you don't have an answer for, um, so that's why he, he he didn't make my list. I know he led the league in rushing, but I just like I said from a skill sets aspect, he I just couldn't I couldn't do it. There's too many guys that are just more talented. Alvin Kamara he is talented, um, but when you look at like so is he is he a talented like when you look at his running and rushing, and you weigh it for me if it's on the seesaw. The, seas- the side of the seesaw that goes up is his receiving ability. Mm-hmm. He's a dynamic receiver. And he's a good runner. He's he, he's a good running back. Like I said, he averaged 4.7 yards per carry. Um, but at the same time, I, I question his ability to carry the load and handle, um, you know, more reps and physically. And mm-hmm. he got hurt. He got hurt last year. 
right? But not even mm-hmm. just that. You know, he he was kind of that change of pace guy. He wasn't the yeah. guy that te- that you came into the in, came to the game. It's like okay, he's a, he's back there with Drew Brees, eighty percent of the snaps, and he he wasn't that bell cow. It, and don't get me wrong, Mark Ingram was a good back, but for as talented as Alvin Kamara is overall, he should have been the guy that should have been Number leading and starting that offense. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and Mark Ingram come kind of come in to lighten that load. That'd be thunder and lightning. His, his contact balance is ridiculous. You, you watch him work out. He does so many workouts to help yeah. him with balance. But again, for me, what we saw from Christian McCaffrey, that's what people were hyping up Alvin Kamara to Alvin be. Kamara and mm-hmm. he, he, did, he wasn't able to, to sustain that type of production or even accumulate that type of production. So for me, mm-hmm. I think he's a guy that's best used in a pair. Mm-hmm. And what about you, Jane? Why did you leave those two off of your top list? Yeah, like with Alvin Kamara, it's pretty much the same thing. Like you, he hasn't done it yet. We've seen him uh, accumulate the numbers that he has as as a somewhat complementary role. Like we need to see him be the guy, the driving force in that Saints offense in order in order for me to put him, you know, as one of those top five uh, running backs. I mean, he has the skill set to do it. But he hasn't done it yet. He hasn't put in the work. He hasn't uh, been able to shoulder the workload to do it yet. So now I just think of him as, okay, you get a, a solid power runner with him, then he'll be more effective. Um, yeah, as, as far as Derrick Henry goes, it's just the fact that he's one-dimensional. He, you can't, I mean, defense are not going to respect him, uh, uh, you know, running, running any type of routes or going out for a pass or anything like that. If I'm a defense, I wouldn't even, I would barely cover it. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, it's just not—it's not his game. That's not what he does. So it's just that you know what you're getting with uh, with Derrick Henry. You know he's gonna—I mean, he's—he's a—he's a true throwback. You mean uh, three yards in a cloud of dust, eye mm-hmm. formation. If it was 1998, he'd be—you know—he'd be the guy. He'd be the running back of all running backs. But it's not, and so you need your running backs to do more. And it's just—it's not his game in order to do that. So that's why. I can't put him up in, in the echelon of the other guys. All right. So I have one more question pertaining to running backs. Mm-hmm. What what rookie running back do you think? Now, I don't say that you'll put somebody in the top five of the one year. I think you should have one more year of that before you start saying – well, at least two years before you start saying players are yeah. the best at their position because mm-hmm. one year can be a fluke. But what rookie running back do you think can crack your top – Six, like maybe be six or seven from next year. Damon, from last year, guy you can think of, but like from twenty twenty, like who do you think will be able to be? Right like, next year, we'll be talking about running backs next year. Mm-hmm. Which running back do you think now as a rookie could be like six or seven from your top running back list? Mm, that's a great question, Shane. From the twenty twenty rookie draft, like it, it was a talented running back group. Yeah, it's it just like the the landing spots were just like kind of. Surprising, Perfect. right? Like, mm-hmm. in uh, so, a way, it was kind of you know, in a way, it was great too. So, like for Jonathan Taylor, if Marlon Mack wasn't there, Jonathan Taylor probably gets three hundred carries. And oh yeah, because of that 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 physical off offensive line they have, they run that power gap scheme, and they also mm-hmm. do a lot of pinning and pulling. Um, getting getting that two hundred thirty pound sprinter. In the open field, yeah. that's physical. Right, that's that's perfect. But then they have Marlon Mack, so and they have Naeem Hines. So it's like the distribution with with uh, the snaps and mm-hmm. the carries and you know things like that is going to be really um, something to watch. But 
Um, I would say, man, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Um, to me, when you look at him from a, from a skill stand, skill standpoint, he can he can run the ball very well, and he is he could be a dynamo in the receiving game. Mm-hmm. You know, he, yeah, he didn't run the four 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 threes that you know Cam Akers and the rest of those guys. But he don't was, matter. He was probably the best route runner, if not the best route runner there um, at yep. the combine in this running back class. Great hands as well. He will legitimately route you up. And you think about his ability to make guys miss, create on his own. Um, he can do all of those things. And like I said, he can legitimately run the ball. You can give him 20 carries and be just fine with that. So I, and mind you, like I said, landing spot, he fell into the perfect situation because mm-hmm. he's in Dude. Kansas City. So unlike some of these other backs, right? Um, you know, we, we've seen some of these guys. Jonathan Taylor, if he becomes that big of a threat, right? Teams are going to say, okay, let's slow him down. Let's slow Jonathan Taylor down. Let's throw another guy in the box, and let's slow him down right now. Let's, let's, let's slow this rushing attack down. You're not going to be able to do that with Clyde Aris-Alaire because when you throw that other guy in the box, you got Tyreek Hill going over the box. You got Sammy Walkers coming across. You have Miko Hardman coming across. It's too mm-hmm. much problems, too much explosive weapons for you to key in on Clyde Edwards Hilaire. So I think from a production standpoint and a skill set standpoint, it but it all depends on how Andy Reid, because you know Andy Reid and his running backs, you know, he tends to, yeah. you know, veer off to the left. Yeah, um, I forget they exist. You know, you're right. If he can stay <laughs> on task, if Andy Reid, mm-hmm. Big Red can stay on task and make sure he gives this young man the touches, the carries, the receptions, the targets, mm-hmm. I could see him cracking that top six. Oh, yeah. What do you think, Damien? I'm sorry, Eugene. Um, three guys come to mind. Um, J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, and Clyde oh, Edwards. Yeah. I think J.K. I was waiting. I was going to get on I feel like that was a settled question. She's like, okay, I, God, I, this I, is your time to say J.K. She set me up. Like, well, okay. Oh, man. Oh yeah, the, yeah, that was the setup is real. Yeah, um, it was, it was. Yeah. But but yeah, I think JK is just gonna take that job. He's gonna he's gonna take that starting job. Be like, I'm JK Dobbins, I'm better than all of y'all. Give me the ball. And I think by by the season's end, he's gonna have be the number one running back for the Ravens. And he's just I mean, he's a smart uh smart coach and John Harbaugh is gonna recognize it and feed him the ball. That's a running offense. He's he's going he's gonna um he's gonna put up numbers. Um Cam Akers, I'm looking at opportunity as well as talent. He has the talent and um he's gonna have the opportunity uh with the Rams to uh catch I mean catch passes. He's gonna run the ball. Got questions about that Rams offensive line, but I mean Cam Akers is used to that coming from a horrible offensive line at Florida State. So he's gonna he he's a running back. You already know he's a running back that can create on his own. So he's gonna do numbers there. And then Clyde Edwards Hilaire, he's coming into a prolific offense already. Um defenses are not gonna be paying him a, a ton of attention early on, so he's gonna take advantage of that. Um yeah, like Damian, I think he I think he was the best route running running back in the entire draft class. And he's gonna show it with a uh with a pass happy coach like Andy Reid. Andy Reid's going to have him running all types of routes. He's going to put up all types of numbers, uh, rushing and receiving. Um, I mean, 
I would have said uh, Jonathan Taylor because that's a match made in heaven, a power blocking mm-hmm. offensive line with a power running back with speed. That's a match made in heaven. But um, you got Marlon Mack who quietly ran for a thousand yards himself uh, last year and is, I mean, and should be used more in the passing game as well. So who knows whether they're going to split carries and, or anything like that. And plus, I mean, a guy like Naheem Hines who, who's underused in my opinion, you got a little four three uh, running back that runs a four three. You need to get him out there to do something. But um, I, those main three, mainly J.K. Dobbins, I think he's just going to take a job, and he's gonna um, you're gonna you're gonna think of him as one of these top backs, or at least not not as one of the top backs as the next one up. Okay. Like you can see him coming. All right, we cool, we cool now again, sons. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so. oh, wait, wait, wait! Can I get can I get a shameless Miles Sanders plug in? Go right ahead, go right ahead. Because he's um yeah, because he he's next up. He, he, I think hey. as soon as next year, you're gonna look at him as one of your top ten running backs. Oh, yeah. Um, you see the number, yeah. You see him, you see the numbers he put up last year. He put up over a thousand yards total from scrimmage. Um, I think like eight hundred yards rushing and like uh five or six hundred yards receiving or something like that. Expect more of the same. Um, only reason you think that uh. Because he put up those numbers last year, and he went through a stretch of six straight weeks where he had less than ten touches in a football game, and he still put up those numbers. That's crazy. He's going, yeah, <laughs> right. And like right now, he's all uh, early. Well, earlier in the spring, he was uh, he was working out with Saquon, and um, man, he was try he was he tried his best to do some of these crazy Saquon workouts that he was doing, but he he, he held his own. He was keeping up. And you could see he, you could visibly see him get stronger and more muscular. So I'm, I'm high on Miles Sanders coming in the next year. I'll give you that. (laughs) 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 So you all know for the past couple of weeks, we've been um, just revisiting the draft and uh, giving our opinions on the draft picks for each division. Um, So this week we're tackling the NFC West. And, you know, we've we've been doing the best pick, um, the most surprising pick, and then the um, biggest sleeper in that division. Um, so we'll start with the best pick of the NFC West. Damian, who do you think was the best pick in the NFC West? Oh, um, man. I mean, there was some – the NFC West did a good job. did, did a pretty they did a good, good job yeah. drafting. Some of the, um, I, I, yeah, just like the NFC East, it's, it's not – it's hard to mm-hmm. think bad. They all did really well. Yeah, I, I like I like majority of their drafts. Um, you know, some – some guys went higher than uh, a lot of people believe they should have, but I mean, uh, it, it oh, is. You get, yeah, you, you get yeah, Seattle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, <you know. laughs> but you get your guy, and that's all that matters. You know what I'm saying? Uh, for me, I gotta go. You know, hey, listen. At, at, at some point, people are gonna think I'm an Arizona Cardinals fan. As much love, I mean, I do right, for <laughs> them, but as much love as I give them. But yeah, Isaiah Brian Simmons, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Isaiah <laughs> Simmons, man, pick eight. Like this guy, we no one thought. You know that he would even last that long, and mm-hmm. because, but because of you know quarterbacks and you know offensive linemen and things like you know things like that, he fell and he gave them like I was I was actually watching um I was watching tape early before we got on the show I can't remember the young man's name uh, from Louisville one of the receivers from Louisville I was watching Louisville versus uh, Clemson and when I tell you like I'm trying to watch the receiver and just out mm-hmm. of nowhere I just see this 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 white and orange jersey just fly across the screen. I was, mm-hmm. like, I was like, 
like, what was that? That just rewound. I was like, oh, that was Isaiah Simmons. <laughs> what was that blur? Like, like, what in the world? Like, he's just like blitzing. Like, and I got to say this. Like, watching him in the slide, people people hear like, and they see like the, the 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 snap counts that put on Twitter. Like, he's two hundred snaps at corner and two hundred thirty at. Sl- Listen, he was in the slot matchup against Tutu Atwell. It took a perfect throw oh my for, mm-hmm. for, for that pass to be completed. Tutu Atwell is one of the quickest, shiftiest receivers mm-hmm. in the nation. And Isaiah Simmons was was literally stride for stride with him on a, on a corner route to the sideline. Um, Tutu got a little That's separation. 6'4", 230 pounds. Exactly. Exactly. And this kid is like less than 200, to be honest with you. Um, mm-hmm. Tutu is. So, for me, it's Isaiah Simmons because – you look at what the Arizona Cardinals, they were ones that I think they were the worst team in the league defensively against tight ends. Isaiah Simmons is going to fix that immediately. Yep. They were t- like f- fantasy alerts. Everybody was like, okay, what tight end is going up against Arizona this week? That's where everybody was looking at all fantasy season. Okay, TJ Hawkinson was over 400. This guy went over 400. This guy had 80 uh, yards and two t- Like They could not defend tight ends. Now they have what they will call a tight end eraser. That's why I'm so excited about those Niners Cardinals matchups because you get to see George Kittle against yeah. Isaiah Simmons. And those are going to be some battles. That's going to be good. Not just in coverage, but also because of how versatile Isaiah Simmons is. I expect him to go up and face him in the run game as well. So Isaiah mm. Simmons is the best pick out of the NFC West because I think he has the, the potential to have the biggest impact year one. Yeah. I wonder if they would put him in the slot. I wouldn't be surprised. Because you could possibly see an Isaiah Simmons versus Nuke matchup. Oof. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> I can't call that one. Yeah, me either. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that would be tough because Isaiah Simmons, even though he's a linebacker, he can press too. So that would yes. be, be fun to watch for sure. That would be. That would be. But, um, yeah, my uh, best draft pick, I got I to go with the 49ers. Uh, they got Javon Kinlaw. It's like the rich get richer. It's like they put icing on the cake. Because, I mean, they got this guy named Nick Bosa. He's pretty good. And, they all, I mean, they already had one of the best defensive lines in the NFL already. And then you add a player like Javon Kinlaw, who's strong as an ox, and has got quickness to rush the passer, and you add him to that whole dynamic they got going on in San Francisco, that's going to be a pain for offenses. And so I think – um they took a strength of their of their team and made it even stronger. And so I think that's um that I think that was the best pick out of whole out of their uh out of their division. Cool. Now the next one we have is the how does it go? The most surprising pick. Damian, I mean, who was the most surprising pick in the NFC West? Oh, we talked about them earlier. Uh so yeah. we started this. Um let me go back. Uh, no, where is he? Where is he? George Brooks, first round yeah. linebacker out of Texas Tech. Now, mind you, I went back and looked at the tech. George Brooks is legit. Like he's legit. Mm. He's good. Yeah. But it just yeah. was for me. I was just like, yo, like that was the most surprising pick. And I'm just like, um, what? Because I, I'm not mistaken. When he was selected, Patrick Queen was still on the board. That was yes. what, that's that's why it was Love. so surprising to me. Because I was just like, okay. Uh, Patrick Queen is still there. The third ranked, you know, second, you know, second and third ranked linebacker in this draft is still on the board. And the Seattle Seahawks was like, uh, "Screw conventional wisdom, guys. Uh, <laughs> We're going Jordan Brooks." It was just yeah. like, "Oh, 
okay. Uh, and a lot of fans were on Twitter like, who? Like, because they didn't know like, who what? he was. But Jordan Brooks is an athletic linebacker. He can play. Like, mm-hmm. he legit has game. And for me, like I said, I don't hate the pick now. Uh, I didn't hate the pick initially. I just was shocked because you do have Patrick Queen on the board. Um, and that was somebody that, you know, another athletic, you know, juiced up linebacker that can run and hit. And because KJ Wright is getting a little long in the tooth, and yeah. you know, giving um, uh, giving Bobby Wagner that that kind of that young player that he can tutor to become mm-hmm. the next face of that 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 defensive front, Defense. um, and just adding more speed. Uh, but either way, like I say either way, they still ended up with getting the guy that had speed and Jordan Brooks. But I just felt like, well, no, how do you pass him on Patrick Queen, right? But you know, that was probably the most surprising pick for me was just Jordan Brooks. And what do you think, Eugene? Yeah, for me, it was the same. Uh, Jordan Bricks, I like the player. I didn't think he would. I had him, like, you know, maybe like a second round, late second round, early third guy. Um, so I was surprised to see him at 27. But, you know, Seattle is a team that drafts, you know, specifically for what they need. They, I mean, you know, they, their board is not the same as anybody else's board. But um, he, he's, I mean, he's behind a player. I mean, it's no better player to learn from than Bobby Wagner. And he has the physical abilities to try to to emulate what Bobby Wagner brings to that Seattle defense. Um, It it was just a surprise. I mean, it's a good player, but but surprisingly at at the position that they took them in. Right. Well, I'm glad that um, I was able to get both of you all to name Ravens players this week. I mean, even though we're not talking about – I mean, you both, you know – Shane was plugged, Patrick Queen. Thank y'all for not taking him because, uh, yeah, we needed that over there. <laughs> um, but, Damien, who was the biggest sleeper in the NFC West for you? Biggest sleeper, man. Let's see here. So, there's a, it's a couple of different guys that I was looking at for this division. But I'm possibly going to stick with – I think I'm going to stick with Seattle. Um, nope. No, I'm not. Ah. And they play the same position. They pretty much do the same position. I'm going to the Rams. I'm going to go to the Rams, and I'm going to Terrell Lewis from Alabama. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason why I say that is because he is a twitched-up, juiced-up edge rusher. He has injury. He has injury his, history and injury issues. And for a team that has the – I mean, can we all can we already say that Aaron Donald's a Hall of Famer? Like – Put him in the Hall of Fame already. Yeah. Aaron Donald is pretty much a Hall of Famer. So you yeah, have give him, him a gold jersey. You got this guy demanding double, triple teams on the interior, right? So then that's what did that do? That says, well, we if we just get some consistent edge part, uh, edge guys, we mm-hmm. can give them one on ones. I mean, Dante Fowler had eleven and a half sacks last year, if I'm not mistaken. He got yeah. a lot of one on ones. That he's now in Atlanta. So you then bring in Terrell uh, Terrell Lewis, and like I said, first up quickness. Long, lengthy arms can convert speed to power. Um, has a nice punch, but he knows how to get around the edge. He, you know, I think, he can definitely become a more versatile rusher. Get uh, uh, work on his um, his array of moves and, and his pass rushing. But at the same time, like I said, with him as a as the athletic guy that he is, getting it one on one, I think they, if, as long as he stays healthy, dear God, I think that they could really see some production out of him. Um, like I said, because Aaron Donald is going to demand that presence on the interior. So you need that guy that could take advantage of that. And, ha- and everyone 
everyone wants the, the explosive edge rusher. Everyone wants that. You see it with Von Miller. You see it with Khalil mm-hmm. Mack. You see it with Miles Garrett. We see it with so many guys. Everyone wants that explosive, twitchy edge rusher. That guy that can win one-on-one. Terrell Lewis is a guy that truly can win one-on-one. And he should see a lot of it. So that's my sleeper because if, if, if he can stay healthy, I think he can, have, uh, you know, he can be a guy that consistently has eight, ten sack seasons. What do you think, Virginia? Um, yeah, I, uh, two guys. One is a guy Dane was about to mention before, uh, Daryl Taylor out of uh, Seattle. Um, 6'4", 267-pound edge rusher. He, I mean, this guy oozes athleticism. Um, he's quick off the ball. He's got the uh, the bend in his, in his hips around the corner to get to the quarterback. Um, he's just not polished. Somebody needs to teach him his pass rush moves. Uh, and, you know, they got to teach him uh, not to have the same. Got to teach him how to have a pass rush plan in order to, you know, so he don't rush the exact same way every down. But he's just pretty much a lump of clay that that some coaches are like. If he takes the coaching well, he's going to be a outstanding pass rusher because he's already got the physical ability to do it. Um, the next one. I have is um, from the uh, was it? I think he the Cardinals drafted him. No, I'm sorry, the 49ers drafted him, and that's uh, Terrell Lewis. I'm not Terrell Burgess. Oh, see, out of Utah. Yeah, Terrell Burgess out of uh, Utah. He is uh, oh, when Rams he played at Utah. Him. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, the Rams drafted him. Um, when he played at Utah, they played him in the slot. They played him against a, as as a slot cornerback a whole lot. Um, so he was close to the line of scrimmage. He showed the uh, the necessary physicality to play up close to the line of scrimmage. He also showed the coverage ability to cover downfield. He's a very versatile safety, so he can you can put him in a different bunch, uh, a whole bunch of different roles to uh, to where he he can cover on the back end. Or you want him to be a force player close to the line of scrimmage. He can do that. You just want him to be a nickel cornerback. He can do that. Um, uh, I think the thing about him is you just need to uh, figure out what your plan for him is and to uh, let him get acclimated to the defensive playbook. But I think he's he'll, he'll be a, a chess piece that, uh, that the Rams can move around and cover and cover either tight ends or cover certain slot cornerbacks as well. Cool. Um, so now we're just going to go to the standings and individually each team, I'll name them. And then you guys tell me what you think about um, their draft picks. Mm-hmm. We'll start with the Cardinals, Eugene. Last mm-hmm. week, last week you said um, you said the Redskins would double their wins, you yes. know, based on their draft picks, which will be a, a measly. What would that be? Six games, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so before you say what you think about the Cardinals' um, draft picks, do you think that the Cardinals are going to double their wins? Um, let me see. How many games did they win last year? Five. They went five. Ooh, can they get ten wins? No, no. Ah, uh, I can't Damian, say ten don't, wins. Don't, don't hurt him, Damian. Don't hurt him. And I K one MVP. I can't. I can't go that far yet. I can't go. But I think. I think they could get easily. They can get you know between seven and nine wins. I think they're going to make a huge leap because Kyler is you know he he really is that good. Mm-hmm. And that offense, like that offense, is going to work 
it's going and it's going to it's going to it's going to work in a big way until defenses catch up to it. Um, but yeah, I think uh, if they won five games last year, they're they're and, yeah, I could say seven and nine wins. And um, just just to, just for the simple fact that they're still young, they're still putting everything together, so it's not going to be like you know they're not just going to jump into the elite of the elite, right? Yeah, but they're they're going to work their way up because I say I don't think they're going to be a flash in the pan. I think they're going to be a consistently good team with that head coach and with that quarterback. So I think it's going to be more of a slow a slow ascension then just, you know, we're going to flash for one year and then we're just going to go back. Right. So I think, yeah, I think definitely they could they could close to double their wins. All right. Well, what would you think about their trade? Their draft was pretty good. Um, and, you know, I mean, you got you got Isaiah Simmons. And he's going to do wonders for that defense because you could put him anywhere you want to. And you add him to a solid coverage linebacker like Jordan Hicks. Yeah, I mean, you got you got a lot of a good good defenders on that second level. Um, uh, Rashard Lawrence in the fourth round played at, at LSU. I thought he had some talent with LSU. They had him um, holding blocks, reading and reacting a whole lot. They didn't let him attack and shoot up field more. Um, if they can let him do that, I think he'd be much more effective, and I think he would be a steal in the fourth in the fourth round. Um, and they really beefed up their defensive line as well with Lakey Foto. He's going to be a – he should probably be a decent nose tackle for them. He's a huge, huge kid at 6'5", 330. And so he's going to hold on blocks and allow for the uh, and allow for the linebackers to make plays and allow for the defensive ends to get upfield a little bit more. And um, they got they got a nice little steal in Eno ben, Benjamin in the seventh round. He could be your little third down scat back because he's a talented player too, dual threat running back. They helped their team a whole lot. They helped the team, um, but the main the main reason why they get better is is going to be the maturation of Kyler Murray and the uh, and the addition of DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, Kyler Murray and that and the offensive weapons he has is going to is, is what's going to drive that team. And so, Damian, I ask you the same thing. Um, do you think that it's possible they could double their wins before you give your biased opinion about their draft picks? Um, yes, (laughs) yes, they can. Listen, man. So, for me, when I I look at the roster, you know, they have a defensive player of the year candidate with with Chandler Jones, who is a complete monster off the edge. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you know, when I and and I'll kind of weave it into looking at their draft picks, having Isaiah Simmons, right? So, that that like I said, that helps so many. Facets of their defense. Then you brought in Devondre Campbell as well. Um, the two picks that I really think could be, once they get into the lineup and, and work their way in, Leaky Fultu and Rashad Lawrence, because we always talk about with, with linebackers, with Ray Lewis, you wanted to have those big guys in front of him to allow him to truly run chase, hit mm-hmm. guys, and play free. And yeah. which is something, you know, uh, when we talk about the Ravens, when you guys played. The, um, the Titans, one thing that the Titans D-line was able to do was keep your offensive linemen off their linebackers so their linebackers could flow with Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. Now, you telling me if I could keep Isaiah Simmons clean, oh, he's going to make some plays. He's going to be able to make some plays in the run game. He, he, he know how to blitz. You can blitz him. He can rush the pass off the edge, and he can drop in the coverage and, of course, play man coverage. Um, so, and then we think about Byron Murphy, the corner, he's taking the next step. So that defense, I think, is going to be much improved. Um 
and, and, and you know allow the offense to truly play within themselves. But of course, you know having um, I think Evan Weaver would be a solid contributor as well, not just on special teams, but against the run. You know, you could put him in because he's a thumper, he's a downhill type of linebacker. You could use him um, solely on the first two downs. He's not somebody that's going to drop back in the coverage, but he can blitz. You can use him to kind of try to clog up a, uh, to, to, to clog up a, a hole in the lane to give someone else some like twists and stunts, different things like that. Um, and then, of course, Eno Benjamin. You have Kenyon Drake, who is an underrated running back, came in guns blazing his first game against San Fran, and he played uh-huh. very well um, once he got into that into that system. He fits perfectly. What do you do? You go and get him a backup that can do the exact same thing. Now you can have two running backs that can play on the field with Kyler Murray. That is a versatile backfield. You have Kyler Murray in the shotgun with those two backs of Eno Benjamin and Kenyon Drake on each side of him. They can do so many different things. And Kenyon Drake, a lot of people don't remember, but you go back and look at his tick at Alabama. Kenyon Drake, they used to split him in the slot and out wide. He could run routes, and he could be a, a weapon as we talked about with like the Christian McCaffrey's and Saquon Barkley's, where you use him in the passing game and truly allow him to run routes against linebackers and safeties, he can do that. He can run the slants. He can run the sluggos. He can run the nine route. He can run those routes, and you can motion him out and keep you know, Benjamin in the backfield and still run the read option, the RPOs, and different things like that, the inside mm-hmm. zone. So for me, I think they can double. Um, I could think they can get to close to anywhere from between eight to ten 10 wins. But the biggest thing about it is it's going to be that division. That's a hard-hitting division. Black tough and blue. Division. You know, That's a tough division with Seattle and San Fran in that division. The Rams are formidable at times. They have been in the past. we got to see how they look post-Todd Gurley. But um, I, if, would I be surprised if the Cardinals won 10 games? Absolutely not. Um, I, I could see it happening. Um, I'm not mm-hmm. going to predict. Predictive. No, I, I know I'm mm. going to. I'm going to because Kyler Murray oh, is, my, Kyler Murray is my, my MVP candidate. So, yeah, I think they get 10 wins. All right. And, Damian, what do you think about the Rams and their draft picks? So, the, the Rams, you know, they don't have a, a first-round pick for the next 25 years. So, um, <laughs> they them all away. Like, they've just been trading them off. But, like I said, with Terrell Lewis, and we talked about Terrell Burgess as well, um, I, I like their draft for the most part, getting Cam Akers in the second round, getting Van Jefferson in the second round. And then, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're from picks from the 20th pick in the second round to their fourth-round pick, which is Bryson Hawkins. I'm, that's the pick I'm more so – I'm interested to see how they handle it because they already have two tight ends. They have Gerald, Gerald Everett and um, – mm-hmm. oh, God. What is the young kid's name that they have over there? I forgot his name. Um, oh, Tyler Higby. Yeah, Higby. I knew it was something like that. Uh, so, Tyler Higby and they have Gerald Everett. So, I'm like, what exactly are they going to do with Bryson Hopkins? Do they – because Bryson Hopkins is athletic. You know, he's, he's got speed. Do they try to convert him into maybe a de facto bigger wide receiver, a big slot? Um, how do they use him? Um, are they preparing to let one of those guys walk? Because I know the, I think Higby's been, uh, is up for a contract. Maybe they let Gerald uh, Everett walk or use him as trade bait um, to see mm. if they can get some more picks uh, for, the, for the future. So I'm not sure what they're going to do with Hopkins. But I, overall, like I said, I, I think the draft is pretty solid. Um Offensive line, while I would have loved to see them address the old line a little bit more, because uh, their mm-hmm. offensive line was a problem last year. Like a lot of people think that Todd Gurley's down season was due to his just due to his knees. 
No, uh, is due to the fact oh. that their offensive line was bad. It, it, it did not play great last year. And then when you add into the fact that Jared Goff regressed, why did he also regress? The offensive line. So it's just Jared like... Goff can't create stuff on his own. Exactly. So it's just like, hey, they should have addressed that, in my opinion. Um, especially with Andrew Whitworth getting, you know, he's getting up there in age. Um, what is he, 40 now? Uh, close. I think he's like 30, <laughs> almost 40. Oh, so, wow. yeah, you need to prepare for the future with a nice developmental swing tackle, and I didn't see them do that. So, but mm-hmm. for the most part, they had, you know, they had a solid draft. And what do you think about the Rams, Eugene? Um, yeah, they had an all right uh, draft. First one, two, three, four. Yeah, first five picks, uh, I like. Um, actually, like them a lot. Uh, Van Jefferson, I believe, was the second best route runner in the in the entire draft class. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I question like the fit sometimes at the with the, with the wide receiver because you got Cooper Cup, you got Van Jefferson, and um, you have uh, Robert Woods. I mean, all tremendous route runners, but uh, it's somebody really. It's not. It's not a real threat to get over the top like Brandon Cooks was. Yeah. So they're all going to run crisp crisp routes. So, But sometimes you got to wonder, is the defense going to clamp down on everything, try to keep everything in front of them? Will that slow them down? And then it's the, uh, then it's the question about the offensive line. I mean, that, direct, that directly led to the problems that Jared Goff had and the problems that Ty Gurley had. I mean, speaking of Jared Goff, if he gets pressure in his face, he's – like half the quarterback that he really is. Everything has to be perfect around Jaron Goff in order for him to be truly effective the way he the way he should be. And that wasn't the case last year. And I don't see that being the case uh next year as well until they fix that offensive line issue. Mm-hmm. Um uh and thing with on defense, I believe that you have two elite names and then a bunch of other guys. You got Jalen Ramsey and you got Aaron Donald and then you got a bunch of other guys like that pass rush. I'm not. I'm not afraid of outside of Aaron Donald because you've got Michael Brockers, Sean Robinson, uh, Samson, Ebucam. Yeah. I'm not scared of that. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not scared of that at all. Um, but it's you know it's not the individual players. It's how the team fits together. But still, that's not a ton of talent on that defensive side of the ball. I honestly have the Rams sliding back as probably the worst defense, worst team in that division. I think I got the uh, Cardinals leapfrogging them. Um, I think they have, you know, I think they got a little bit of a, a rebuild process to go through because they took their shot. They took their shot what about a couple years ago to get to the Super Bowl. They sold the farm to get mm-hmm. to the Super Bowl to get a ring, and I'll knock them for it when you when you got an opportunity like that, you go for it. Um, but now they're feeling the effects from taking that shot, all the trades that they've made, all the mortgage in the future and everything. Now they're going to feel the effects from that. But as far as the draft goes, they're, they're starting, they're starting to uh, replenish the talent with the, with the uh, first four picks that they got though. Mm. Did that Rams team make you think about your, um, Eagles dream team that Vince Young said y'all had? Oh, yeah. But you know what? Yeah, the Rams actually did it better than we did because the quarterback they got can actually play football. Mm-hmm. The guy, we, uh, I mean, oh, my God. This guy, he could not. He was, oh, my God. He was trash. Oh, yeah, truck. Go ahead. 
Y'all had Mike Vick and right wasn't Mike Vick there then? It was Mike Vick. It was uh Deshaun Jackson. It was Jeremy Macklin. The offense was cool. The offense was cool, but uh I mean this is this is the worst of Andy Reid that we've seen because he took the offensive line coach and made him the defensive coordinator. Like in what world would that work? Mm-hmm. It and and it never worked. And um they signed Namdi Asumar to be uh you know to be their guy yeah, and Namdi was that. you know Ron, Namdi was a press cover cornerback and they and the guy that they took from the offensive line to make him a defensive coordinator decided I'm going to play him in zone coverage mm-hmm. so wonder why that worked wonder why that didn't work I don't know and you know Namdi was a weirdo anyway <laughs> cuz he um he he, he didn't want to he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't that football type of like, locker room he, guy he, he married Curry Washington he didn't he wanted at that point Oh man, listen. Yeah, that's <laughs> Kerry Washington. Yeah. yeah. But he, he he did good there. That's probably um that's probably the best snag he had in his career. But yeah, he would he was just a weirdo. Like the 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 team didn't wasn't really didn't really met, uh mesh with him like that. Like, you know, team you know, teams eat together, they have lunch together, they have dinner together, team meetings and all that. They go to lunch, he he would go in the car by himself and eat his lunch by himself. And everybody would look at him like, What's wrong with that dude? Sound like they needed somebody to tweet like LeBron did Kevin Love and said, "Stop trying to fit out and fit in or whatever that mess." Yeah, Kevin Love. yeah. Try, stop trying to stand out and fit in or something like yeah. that. But yeah, but yeah, that 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 didn't work along with a whole bunch of bad moves that Andy Reid made. But I ain't forget about that dream team. I just wanted to let you know the dream oh team. Looks <laughs> um, but what, what, what did you what did you think about um the Seahawks and their draft? Um, Seahawks, you know, they draft weird every year. Um, <laughs> but it kind of, it kind of, you got to think a little bit and it kind of starts to make sense the, uh, with the defense that they want to play and how they want to do it. Cause I'm starting to learn like all the defensive ends that, that I like the Seahawks draft them all the time. Like, uh, last, uh, I mean, back in what, 2017, it was, uh, Guy he washed out of the league, defensive tackle from um, Michigan State, and he was oh, he was a freak athlete, and I loved him. I thought he was going to be a stud. He, I mean, he wound up, you know, he got injured. He couldn't play again. His career is over. Oh yeah, but yeah, yeah. the yeah, Seahawks drafted him, and there's another kid out of the year the year later is a kid I like, uh, Rasheem Green out of USC. I liked him because I like the I like the big tweener defensive tackle defensive end type players that, that are are athletic, and apparently they do too. Because they drafted him, then I like Daryl Taylor coming out, and so they drafted him. I like Dalton Robinson coming out, and they drafted him. So, so what I'm saying is, the Seahawks should probably call me. I would be a good scout for them, so they should probably give me a job. <laughs> We're gonna get you a job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, hashtag sign. Uh, hashtag sign Emmanuel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but um, Jordan Brooks. I mean, it was a shock at the at the moment. But you got you think about it. What they like in, in linebackers and what he brings to the table, it, it makes sense. That's what they like. He brings to the table what they like in, in linebackers. Um, Daryl Taylor is an athletic uh, defensive end that's going to scream off the edge and and possibly after a year a year of a of a uh, NFL offseason program, he probably could be a little bit of a tweener and rush from the inside a little bit. Um, Alton Robinson, another uh, you know a good fast uh, edge rusher from the outside. Um, DJ Dallas, 
is is just their type of running back. He's not the fastest guy in the world, but he's going to lower his shoulder and he's going to run somebody over. He plays with so much effort and so much aggressiveness. Um, he he he's right up the alley of what they want in their running backs. Um, so they're the really uh, oh yeah, Stephen Sullivan uh, in the seventh round. That's going to be uh, I think they'll be able to do something with that player because he's a, a converted wide receiver at six five two forty eight. He can run. I mean, he as a receiver, he's he's good. They're gonna have to get him up to speed on the blocking and this physical aspects of the game. But I think he'll make that team. But like on paper, you look at the draft and you're like, who are these people? It's not they don't draft a whole bunch of uh, uh, sexy names. Mm-hmm. So you're really gonna have to do your homework on what they are and how they fit with their specific scheme. But what they like to do, they had a, a decent draft because they drafted all guys that are their type of players. So we're just we just have to see. Whether or not those guys actually pan out. Mm-hmm. And but, then, yeah, what did you think about the um, Seahawks trade? Um, so similar to to Eugene, like Eugene's thought process. Um, for me, like I said, I, I really like Daryl because when we talked about the most surprising pick or the sleeper pick, I was looking at Daryl Taylor, which you mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. But for me, it was just like I really like him. Like I said, he's kind of raw. Uh, needs to, to you know be a you know polish his game a little bit, but. Um, added, listen, Russell Wilson was sacked like 48 times last year. Mm-hmm. Daniel Lewis will help that. Uh, yes. I, I didn't really watch too much of Colby Parkinson um, coming out of Stanford. I didn't. I, I don't know if Eugene. I don't know if you watched him uh, much. A little but bit. I, I didn't watch too much of him. Um, he's he's a guy. Yeah, like that's what I figured. I just didn't see too much of him. I, <laughs> seventh round. I love the Steve, which me and you have talked about him before. Stephen yeah. Sullivan. The, he was converted wide receiver. I think the tight end. Mm-hmm. I like him. I, I, you know, Grant, they oh, have, yeah. uh, dear God, I mean, I think C- Seattle has about 12 tight ends now. I don't know what's going to happen yeah. with that. But, um, you know, DJ Dallas, like you said, fits what they want to do, especially if they don't keep Chris Carson. He adds that he brings that power, physical run style um, that they, you know, they covet. You know, Marshawn, um, Chris Carson, like they, they covet that type of bowling ball, physical, aggressive running style. Um, Alton Robinson, they one thing they I think they they made sure that they wanted to do in Seattle. They wanted to make sure that they that they added as many edge guys as possible. Mm-hmm. They knew that Jadavian Clowney was asking for way too much money, so for Wait. them it was just like we need to go into this draft and get some capable bodies on the edge. And getting Alton uh, Alton Robinson out of Syracuse, as well as Daryl Taylor out of uh, Tennessee, those are two guys that they could truly develop and can become. Um, good, either legit starters for them, uh, week in and week out starters, or just good rotational guys to help uh, add as much pressure off the edge as possible. So while their draft started off a little surprising, I'm fine with it. Freddie Swain is a good slot receiver, by the way, so he adds depth to that receiver room. Um, you know, he was a guy. He was a guy in Florida that nobody really talked about. Everybody looked at Vance, uh, Vance uh, Jefferson as well as uh, Kadarius Tony. Who was a mm-hmm. kind of do it all guy, um, you know, kind of uh, twitchy gadget guy, uh, slot yeah. receiver, you know, screens, all that type of stuff in college. Um, who's in? Who's still at Florida? No one really talked about Freddie Swain, and Freddie Swain can really, you know, put some working in the slot. So he's a talent. I, yeah, he's, he's 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 a talented receiver. So I think he can be someone that just adds that extra depth to their receiver room. So I'm I'm so I'm good with their with their draft overall. Mm-hmm. It seems like Seattle fans always question, you know, the picks that the Seahawks make 
But then the Seahawks always end up being in a thick of things, especially in a race for that division. Yeah. So it's kind of, I would just say, look, let the chips fall how they may because yeah. they're doing, they're doing that. They seem to be making, like you said, what works for them. Yeah, they got a great coach and they got a system that they got a system in place where they know what they want. So it's easy to draft when you know what you're looking for. Right. So you can go work right. for them because you, you know what they want, hey. Eugene. So you are right. Go, go get the job. Give me a job. Give Eugene a job on that scouting staff, man. Right. What are we doing out here? Right. Um, but next, we're going to go to the NFC West champion. Kill that Rooney Rule interview. That's another topic we're going to have to touch on. Too. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Thing. Oh, yeah. Um, but the NFC West champions, the NFC champions, the 49ers. Damien, I want to know, what did you think about their draft? And do you think they've done enough to make it back to the Super Bowl? So, now... I think because of, of some movements and everything, they only ended up with like five draft picks, and mm-hmm. so they fir- but their first two is pretty much developing the ball, like getting Javon Kinlaw and then getting Brandon Ayuk. I know draft Twitter wasn't the biggest fan of Jalen Rager or Brandon Ayuk for whatever reason, um, but <laughs> both of these guys are legit talents, and Brandon Ayuk, man, incredible hands. Um, mm-hmm. You know he, he has to he has to work on his press his press releases. Um, and running, and you know, expanding his route tree, uh, but at the same time, like I said, he's dynamic and he's a playmaker. He's a legit player and playmaker with the ball in his hand. So I think Debo Samuel's the number one receiver over there, with George Kittle, of course, being the, the lead dog at the tight at the tight end spot. But you know, I think what they're doing is it's not going. It's they're building a receiver court. I'm, uh, Shane, you guys actually both may remember a post I put it up. Talking about uh, what type of receiving core would you rather have? Mm-hmm. Would you rather have the mm-hmm. star, like the Antonio Brown, and then other guys? Or would right. you have a well-rounded group? I'd rather have a well-rounded mm-hmm. group every mm-hmm. day, twice on Sunday. So give me Debo and Brandon Ayuk and, and um, oh, God, uh, Dante Pettis, if they eventually if somehow, it out, yeah, yeah give, gets him on the field again, um, you know, they have a lot of talent in the receiving room. Um, mm-hmm. Like, you know, a lot of talent. They, they, their receiving room goes pretty deep. Uh, we just it haven't does. seen everybody. So it's just like, for me, I'm good with their receiving core. Do what you do, do your thing, especially with the dominant ranking that they have. Um, they added an extra tackle in the fifth round because um, we, we don't know what's going to happen with Trent, with Trent uh, Williams. I'm adding him to that because I love that move. You mm-hmm. traded away pretty much nothing to get nothing. one of the best tackles in football. I'm sitting here like, I'm, I'm looking at teams like, are you serious? Mm-hmm. Because for me, I'm thinking the Browns. If I was the Browns, I'm like, I'm calling. The Redskins like, oh, all you need is a fifth or a fourth. Right. Say no more. I'm sending mm-hmm. them that, and then I'm using that other pick to, boast, to, to bolster my defense, my defensive line, whatever the case may be. Um, you know what I'm saying? But they, they still got their tackle either way, Joseph Wills, I believe. But still, I for me, I think, and I could see San Fran actually re-signing him. Um, if not, he goes into free agency. But uh, I like what they did. Like I said, the last two picks, Charlie Warner and Jawan Jennings, are just pretty much depth guys, guys that's going to fight for roster spots. We'll see how you know see how it works out for them. But Javon Kinlaw and Brandon Ayuk are going to be the two guys that you want to focus on in this draft class, as well as like I said, factoring in to me Trent Williams. So I like their draft. I think they've done. I do think they've done enough to rate to retain and and hold on to that uh, 
NFC West Championship, pretty much. Of course, everything has to be played out on the field. Uh, but they, their team really didn't lose much, right? I mean, you lost Emmanuel Sanders. You traded mm-hmm. with DeForest Buckner. Then you bring in Brandon Ayuk, and you get Javon Kinlaw. They really did not lose a lot. Like, the main thing, I think, for them is, I think Kyle Shanahan, I'm going to say this, I think Kyle Shanahan needs to get out of his own way. Uh, when, mm-hmm. when he signed uh, Jimmy. Jimmy, Jimmy G, Mm-hmm. He, he won what? He won like a five game stretch, right? He just got there. He didn't even know half the offense. Oh yeah, they, yeah. They won like seven in a row. Yeah, yeah. They, they 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 won they won like five or six games straight to close out the season, yeah. and they beat the Jaguars, who were you know almost AFC champions. Right. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So, how, but how did you do that? You allowed Jimmy G to get comfortable. You you allow him to play within himself. I'm not saying Jimmy G is some otherworldly quarterback, but the only thing you are doing is he's handicapping him with trying to run the ball so much, trying to protect him, turning into turning him into a game manager. Let him play. Let yeah. take the training thought, wheels off. I always off, thought man. Jimmy G could play. I always he, thought and he yeah. can. He's a pretty he good can play. Yeah. Like we saw that. Why did you? You didn't sign him because you ran the ball forty times and yeah. protected him. You did not right. sign him off yeah. of that. You signed him because when he went into that two minute offense, that no huddle offense, you heard Tom Brady come out of him. You heard mm-hmm. a quarterback that did not even know your system, and mm-hmm. still was able to get you five straight wins. Yeah, go back to that. Mix yeah. it up. You run the ball, but still give Jimmy G his attempts to get comfortable. Because that's going to pay off. Jimmy G missed Later. some, some yeah. passes in the Super Bowl that if he was truly comfortable and in rhythm, he probably would have hit those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Eugene, what do you think? Same thing. What do you think about yeah. the 49ers draft? And do you think they did enough to get back to the Super Bowl? Yeah, I think they won, they won the draft with the first two picks with Javon Kinlaw and Brandon Ayuk. Like, I'm a big Brandon Ayuk guy. I think, he can, I think he's going to be a good player for a long time. Um, he's one of those players that you can attack at all three levels. He's not your four three burner, but he's got he's got more than enough speed to get over yeah. the top. And he can run routes and he can run after the catch. Wide receivers that can run after the catch, like legitimately run after the catch, have success in the NFL. That's I mean, you take that all the way back to TO, all the way back to Jerry Rice. Guys that can really run after the catch have success in the NFL. And Brandon Ayuk is one of those guys. So I think he's gonna uh, he's gonna fit right in with, to what they want to do along with Debo, and uh, and Quiet is kept. They have a talented wide receiver room. Um, uh, Jalen Hurd was hurt last year, but he's a converted oh, running yeah. back from uh, from Tennessee. And if you watch, if you did, if you dug deep on Denzel Mims, then you had to have seen Jalen Hurd because he was right there with them, catching them passes and running after the catch. Another big kid that, that's fast and can run after the catch. And oh, by the way, they got this guy named George Kittle that's pretty good too. So now, um, and they added, and and you add your offensive line help with Trent Williams. That's, I mean, that's a very solid offense. Not to mention the fact that you have a very, very good. Uh, uh, offensive mind in Kyle Shanahan that's, that knows how to move the ball and knows how to put points on the board. I think, yeah, I think the uh, 49ers are probably going to be even better than what they were last year mm-hmm. because they've, they've doubled down on their roster. They're they're stronger now. They're getting healthier. It's another year in that system for Jimmy G. Hopefully Kyle, Kyle Shanahan tries to pass off, the, pass off some more responsibility to Jimmy G and let him work that offense. I mean – they're what they, they along them along with the Saints. They're one of the best rosters in the NFL. So yeah, I think they're they're going to be right there all over again. Cool. Um. So what I've been doing 
for the past two episodes, if you listen, is I'll just rank the teams based on what Eugene and Damien are saying, my opinion, mm-hmm. and then you guys let me know where you fall in with that. Um, mm-hmm. I put the Cardinals first. The reason I have them first is because <laughs> they were, you guys seem the most excited um, when talking about them. You know, mm. looking forward. Yeah, especially you over there with your hand up, Damien. <laughs> Mr. Bias. Um, they, it, seemed like, it seems like you guys are really looking forward to seeing them and, and seeing them grow. So I feel like I'm giving them the number one spot. Um, I had the Seahawks number two at first, but then when you guys just talked about the 49ers and hearing that the team is not much different, they pretty much drafted a lot of guys that they can fill in and fit needs. I'll give them the second place. Um, Seahawks third place only because, as you all said, Normally, they have head-scratching picks. So, it's like, whatever. In the end, you know they'll be fighting for that division, most likely, unless unless Damian's Cardinals get 10 wins. But mm-hmm. for the most part, you know, they're, you're not, you're not um, overly impressed with their draft. Their draft doesn't move you. Um, and then I have the Rams. And I put the Rams fourth because you guys seem the least excited about them. Even though you gave them props and you didn't say it was a horrible draft, it doesn't seem like you're as excited about um, them as a team and mm-hmm. I would say that they have more questions than the other three teams um, just based on like you said talk early is gone so what are you going to do is your offensive line going to be better what is golf going to be um, it's mm-hmm. just too many questions so that's how I have it Cardinals 49ers Seahawks Rams what do you think I would still put the 49ers over the uh, Cardinals um I might even put the uh, Seahawks over the Cardinals just for the Russell Wilson factor. I mean, Russell Wilson is a ridiculous quarterback. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't have they don't have uh, like the same level of talent that the other teams do, but they never did. Mm-hmm. Like Russell Wilson, I mean, he's legitimately one of those guys that'll win a game by himself. So oh, yeah. you can you can I never ignore that. Yeah. So I mean, I'm a I'm a um I'd go 49ers, Seattle, uh, uh, Arizona, and then. And then the Rams. That's how I would put it. But I mean the the Rams, but the Cardinals are fluid because they definitely come they're they're due for a come up. You mm-hmm. just don't know how far they're gonna come up. You know they gonna double them wins. They man, <laughs> yeah. They they gonna have they they might. They might. And what you think, Damien? What do you think? Um I I kinda I actually agree with Eugene there. I mean just out of respect, I gotta put San Fran at first, you know, up top. Um, like I said, Russell Wilson is just such a game changer, man. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I need to see the NFL. If you guys don't give this man some MVP MVP votes, it, it's I don't want to hear nothing else. I don't want to hear anything else. Like he is, I think there was a crazy stat that he was like like a couple years ago that he's been over ninety. He's been accounted for or accounted for over ninety percent of their offensive production. Like. Yes. Come on, if that's not the most valuable play, I don't know what is. Like I don't. Oh know. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait. Um, I heard once, once that I don't know if it's true or not, but the uh, Russell Wilson like is the only guy that's never had an MVP vote ever. That's what, I, yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I've seen too, and that, that's that's, uh, that's what made me say that because I'm like, come on, man. So for me, I, I think I, he had it. I think I, I, he was my MVP last year, even before Lamar, because I felt like even as um time went on, I didn't feel like Russell had did anything to lose it. Right. Um, but then as the yeah. season went. And and then you know Lamar, I, it was Lamar it was nothing had, you could say about it, right? Yeah, so I, I'm gonna tell you. So like Lamar just had that historic season. If Lamar had a yeah. similar season this year, and Russell Wilson had a similar season from last year, I think Russell would, Russell actually wins it this year because we've seen Lamar do that. 
the floor. You know what yeah. I mean? We've seen Lamar do that before. Like, okay, well, okay, you threw for 3,000 yards, mm-hmm. uh, almost 4,000 yards. You had 1,000 yards reception. Like, oh, well, we've seen that already. You've right. already, you know, you've already done that. Now, if he goes and has 4,500 yards passing and 12, 1,300 yards rushing, you know, 60 total touch, like, that's a little different. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like, okay, he, he has to, he has to up the, the ante a little bit. But, um, like I said, I just out of respect for Russ, I, I put them at two. Mm-hmm. Kyler Murray and company, well, as much as I love them and the hype is there, they have to prove it on the field first. Um, and I got to see, I got to see them everything mesh. The offensive line, getting Josh Jones, and, and get him integrated to the offensive line, getting Isaiah Simmons and Devondre Campbell, everybody on the same page. Of course, with a shortened off season, that is a little, little tougher <laughs> getting everybody um, just yeah. with the same playing page once they get on the field. It's one thing to do everything and like, oh yeah, I get it through Zoom, but when you get on the field, it's like, ah, wait a minute. Um, you like to do what again? Like, so it's just all about getting everybody together. And the other two teams are used to each other already. You know, San Fran, mm-hmm. and I know people say, well, the Rams are too. <laughs> and the Rams are less talented. So, yeah, um, right. so yeah, I'm going San Fran, Seattle, Arizona, and Rams at the last. No. Yeah, I'm not mad at the change up. And to be honest with you, if you could see the paper that I wrote on, I was writing as you all were talking, and I had Rams fourth, Cardinals third. And then as the conversation kept going, I was like, I'm putting the Cardinals first just because they're going to double them wins. They're going to double them wins. They're going to double them wins, and Kyle Murray going to be MVP. Trust me. Okay? It's happening. Book it. Book it. Um, but, but, that, but that's the end of the episode. Um, for this week. So, did you guys have anything else that you wanted to say to the listeners? Oh, man. Uh, just be safe out there, guys. It's uh, a lot of unrest. Football is almost back. Yeah, football is almost, almost back. back. Basketball will be here soon. Um, you know, just like I said, just stay safe. Um, Eugene, stop breaking you know, stuff. Yeah, stop. I mean, please. Yeah, please stop. <laughs> yeah. stop breaking stuff. Um, stop, you know, stop, stop hurting people. If, if, you know, yeah. innocent yeah, people. Yeah, I mean, Yes, yes, please. Like, use your head, people. I mean, we're all angry and we're all outraged, but have a plan, have a yeah. method to the madness. Have, uh, sh- uh, I mean, show, show, show them that we're not the animals that they project us to be. Mm-hmm. And like, don't, don't, you know, don't fall for the bait. Yeah. But um, yeah, but just be safe, be smart. Um, don't do nothing stupid. I mean, Corona's still out there, so wash your damn hands. Thank you. <laughs> and just. <laughs> And just everybody, everybody take care of yourself. 20 seconds, right. hot water, and soap, guys. Never forget it. There All you right. go. All right. Until next time, talk to you guys later. Y'all be easy. Later.